Thank you for tuning in and listening to The Diary of an Addict. I appreciate all the love and support y'all have shown this podcast. It's uh, it's kind of overwhelming at times, I guess, because I didn't really expect that many people to listen to. My goal was and still is to just help one person. So to see the reach that it's gaining, it's, it's awesome because that just means that we can help more people out. Uh, today, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Tristan Long, a.k.a. Trick. I don't even know if some people know his real name. Uh, my bad. You might not have wanted people to know it, but uh, thanks for coming on, bro. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you having me, man. I know uh, we grew up together. I think you were in my little brother's class. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we kind of we all went to Age Link together, you know, as for I can't as far back as I can remember, you know what I'm saying? But uh kind of went our different ways as 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 a lot of as it is with a lot of us whenever we're doing our own thing, like especially in addiction, you know, because for me I was um I was only fixated on one thing. You know, sometimes it could go to two things, but there's always one thing. Like, sometimes I said the two things would be, like, not only was I focused on getting high, staying high, but I was also focused on selling drugs and making sure that I had my re-up and stuff so that I can, can could continue to get high. So I kind of lost track with a lot of people, and I, I don't know if that's how it was for you or not. Yeah, I think my main thing in active addiction was just shit, chasing that high, man, looking for the next high. That's all it was, nothing else, man, just chasing a high. For real, it's crazy that uh, I think about sometimes that if, well, a lot of times now, uh, Sometimes the challenges or new goals I set for myself, man, they seem kind of crazy, you know, like at first when I first say them, you know, and I'm like, man, if I devote even half the energy and time I, to this that I did to getting that next high, bro, like, I ain't got no choice but to get it, you know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I know what you mean. But, uh, all right, so uh, just learn a little bit about you, bro. Uh for the listeners out there who don't know you, can you tell us your name, where you're from? Um, did you grow up with both parents in the home? Uh, if so, or if not, did you ever see one or both drink or use drugs? Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, man, my name is Tristan Long. Everybody knows me as Trick around here from Cherokee, North Carolina. Grew up right here on the reservation and uh, as far as growing up, man, like, I was, I had my mom kind of in and out, and I don't know, from a young age, she was, like a lot of men, big into alcohol, so she was kind of in and out, and I was kind of just floating around here and there, and I don't know. I guess like a lot of people around here, a lot of my childhood was kind of growing up with my grandma and, you know, some some was my grandpa, but at the same time, it was kind of all the same, man. Like, it was a lot of alcohol back then, man. Like, 
like I said, with both my parents, my grandpa. And I did have kind of, I guess, kind of some stability with my grandma. But at the same time, it's like everything else around me was, I guess, alcohol and some drugs. So I guess it was a big part of my childhood with me not even realizing a lot of it, man. It's just crazy to think back now because it seemed like it was just it was normal to me you know like it's hell I thought that's what every kid experienced and yeah man just felt like that was normal life at the time I guess I know what you mean by that uh I know that for myself I've seen alcohol like not all the time, but when you would see it, you know, it was a lot because it was going to be a party, you know, and then sometimes these parties would turn into like one, instead of being a one night party on a Friday, it'd be like from Friday <laughs> to Sunday, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, and then it'll be like that at like your house too. So like, not that I came to your house or seen that, and I'm not saying that, but like I'd go to my friend's house too. Or I'd go to my cousin's house or anywhere I went, you know, and that that was going on there too, you know what I mean? So I know exactly what you mean when I when you say it seemed normal. Like it didn't seem like a problem. I just thought that's what what you did, you know, when you were an adult. You know, I thought that's what they did for fun. We played video games and ate parties from Friday to Sunday. Yeah, if they stopped. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Sometimes it was all the kids pushed to one room, freaking. Whatever you yeah. want, just don't bother us, man. We'll be in here. <laughs> For real, man. I uh, I get all kind of stuff in those at those points in time. You know, you could get like back in the day. You know, like I remember ordering Domino's. It wasn't like DoorDash and all this stuff is now. You can only like order pizza. You know what I mean? And so you yeah, can, I can normally get a pizza out of somebody on them nights. You know, like order some pizza, then we'll shut up, or we want to leave. We'll leave you alone. You get us a pizza with a coke. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. They'd buy you all the candy, all the drinks, freaking whatever you want. Be 15 kids, 10 and under, though, in one room. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, growing up like that, um, you, you said you never seen nothing. At what age did you start thinking that this ain't normal? Or that did you realize it? Was it just recently? It took me until I was just like... 20 probably I went home with some friends that uh I don't, it's not a race thing but they were white you know they were they were like had mom and dad at home you know and like they were uh their mom and dad like made it a big deal about they were just drinking a glass of wine with dinner you know which is um I mean Let's, let's face it, that's like socially acceptable around the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, if, you're yeah. old, if you're old enough and they were like telling me and my friend whose parents it was, they were like, you know, this ain't normal. You know, like they were making a big deal about drinking a glass of wine in front of us. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, right. you know it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but uh, what, how, how old were you when, that, when you made that realization? Uh, I guess for me, man, it was like a lot later in life. I guess when I, I guess maybe around mid twenties, whenever I first kind of, I guess had somewhat of an idea that 
this ain't what I want to be doing, man. It was like, but up until then, it was like, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, it was always around. It was always what people did. So I guess most of my life, it just seemed like that was like normal. That. Like that was that what people was, did. Ain't nothing wrong with it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I get that, man. Um, did you did you drink first or did you uh smoke weed or what, what did you do first? Do you remember uh, that? How old man, I was uh, I could I was young, man, and I think it first started out with weed. And like like I said, that's some of my older cousins, like I know you see some of these movies about it too. Like you see it in the movies, they'd be like, "Oh, it's, you know, give the little kids some, you know, like it's, it'll be funny or whatever." But like, that's kind of how it started for me was, you know, hanging out with some of my older family members, and you know, like I said, I guess they would start the same thing that, you know, it, it's normal. They're gonna do it anyway. So I started at a really young age smoking weed and. It quickly went from there to, like I said, drinking, man, because that was, that was always around. Was it, uh, in your experience, was the weed like the alcohol, too, and the fact that everybody did it, so you didn't really see nothing wrong with that either? Yeah, man, it was, like, it was exactly the same, like... Like I said, back then, like, everybody did it. I had family members that grew it, fucking sold it. Like, I mean, it was, like, kind of like cigarettes back then, you know? You just, <laughs> it was yeah. everywhere. It's cold, too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, uh, I know for when I grew up, like, uh, even the adults, around me and like whenever I started smoking weed when I was younger too like it was almost like it was so normal and like everybody was like doing it like you said that you were kind of weird if you didn't drink or smoke you know what I mean if you yeah. had to it seemed like you had to do one of the two or they would look at you crazy yeah man that's that's, that's kind of exactly how it was for me growing up do you uh Did you play sports and stuff growing up? How how was your childhood? Did it did it affect you any other than that, or was it just like how it was on on the weekends? Uh, I did sports when I was younger. Played a lot of basketball, but like, I guess back then it was more like just do it on the weekends, like you know, maybe a little bit through the week, but. Still take know. care of your business? Yeah. The reason I asked you, I, I just wanted to make sure of that or just see about that because I know there's some people that I talk to that their parents, like, partied so much that they didn't stop that, like, they had to, like, cook for themselves. They had to get themselves to school, you know what I mean? Sometimes they had to, like, scrounge up food for them or their siblings. So, but I know growing up for me and what I, a lot of the, things that I've seen that 
we have similar experiences with as people growing up on the res is that it was a weekend thing. And like almost a lot of the times I, I think I would use the term functioning alcoholic because some of these people, um, they can party from Friday to Sunday and then Monday through Friday and they might have like a beer or something throughout the week, but they go get up, go to work every day and then they just do it again the next weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's kind of how it was for me, man. Like I come from a big family, man. And like a lot of my family, they, uh, was the same way. They worked through the week, you know, but you know, even if sometimes the parties would go for weeks and, Looking back on it, it's crazy because they would party all week, still go to work. You know, the party would pause so they could go to work, and <laughs> they'd get us up to go to school and get back home, and then it was right back at it. Like, but I guess <clears throat> as far as that goes, yeah, I kind of had people there that would make sure we got to school and ate, and like you said, man, functioning alcoholics, just... I think with that, sometimes it's like a, a double-edged sword for people because I, I'm I'm not going to condemn nobody for drinking alcohol because, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. What works for you might not work for me and vice versa. But sometimes, like, uh, I think they can be conned into thinking that the drinking ain't hurting them because they're still able to get up and go to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. But all that alcohol, you know, it's bad for you. Like, that's uh I know we've had a lot of recent, uh, well, not even recent, I guess. It's just, I guess it's been people that are closer to me here recently that passed. But um, not only do you have overdose deaths now, but sometimes the obituaries where it says passed away unexpectedly is from them drinking themselves to death, you know, or like getting cirrhosis or whatever. So I just wanted to, you know, I guess to just say too much of anything ain't good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, I know what you're saying. I've had, I've had some family members deal with that, that, I mean, at a young age, too, I mean, deal with cirrhosis and having doctors tell them, you know, like, dang, if you don't quit drinking, like, it's it's going to kill you. Like, yeah, I think uh, just bringing awareness to some of that, you know, I, I just try to do that sometimes, so. Uh, I was, like I said, I don't like to knock anybody's recovery because some people, you know, it, whether you take meth, uh, methadone, but I said meth, <laughs> methadone, <laughs> suboxone, uh, they're coming out with marijuana, Cali sober now, or if you drink, as long as you're doing better, you know, I support that. But sometimes, you know, you got to really, I just, you know, I just wanted to say that about the cirrhosis thing because there is a lot of people that we're losing because of alcohol, you know, and just because it's legal don't mean that, you know, it's it's okay and to just, like, you know, you can't trade one addiction for another. I know I did yeah. that for myself. So a lot of times when I speak, I'm kind of speaking to myself because I can only speak from my own experience. But there were times when I not do drugs, but I was drinking or then I wasn't uh, or I would – not drink, but I do drugs, and then there were times I do both, you know. So it kind of, for me, it's yeah, yeah. so. But the first time you drank, was it uh, at one of these parties, or was it somewhere else with your friends or family members, older older cousins, perhaps? Uh, 
Yeah, to tell you the truth, man, I'm not really sure. I want to say it was just, you know, at one of these parties, everybody's sitting around, and, you know, it's right there, and you just kind of help yourself, and it's crazy because, like, at the age I was, man, being so young, like, just to walk in front of everybody and grab a beer, and, like, it's, you know, nobody freaking blinked the eye, nobody questioned it, nobody, nothing, just, I don't know, just let it happen, man, and from there on out, it was just, that was normal, you know? Yeah. Did you, uh, was it just drinking for a while, or was you smoking weed still, or was you, uh, doing other things at this point? Uh... Yeah, I think I think once I started smoking weed, it was like just it was always smoking weed after that, and then then drinking and yeah, and then for the longest time it was that's what it was was drinking and smoking weed. How long did that last? Uh, I know it was like. Crazy to think, but, like, I come into my teenage years, like, drinking and smoking a lot. And that's, uh, that's ultimately the reason that I was never able to graduate high school was because of the drinking and the weed. I mean, I got, I got in a lot of trouble, and as a result of all that was expelled from school and really wasn't able to wasn't allowed to go back to school because of all that when that happened did you kind of just uh what what happened when that happened did you go or did you start just drinking and partying more or since you didn't have to go to school uh yeah well yeah, but at that time, like, that was my, well, the first and only time I ever went to rehab, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I was young, freaking, I knew everything, freaking, nobody could tell me nothing, so when I did go to rehab, like, I guess I look back at it now, man, and, like, wasted a lot of people's time because... I did it. I did it just pretty much to get people off my back or whatever. So then I went to rehab. I mean, I guess it was good. Some good did come out of it because I did get my GED there. Well, that's but good. at the same time, it was like I come straight back out to partying, drinking, smoking, and. Around that time, I guess it was when I started getting into, like, pills and stuff like that, a little more heavier stuff. What rehab did you go to? Uh, I went to the Unity here in Turkey. Okay. Did you graduate that in addition to getting a GED? Uh, yeah, I did. And like I said, I guess that was the that could have been the start of a good thing because while I was in there, like... 
I got accepted to the IAIA art school out in Santa Fe. Yeah. But because of my choices, once I left there, I chose to go out and keep partying over going to school. So that was. Yeah, that happens with a lot of us, bro. Uh, I didn't know you got accepted into the IAIA. That's that's awesome, man. Uh, I do remember being in like a couple of GT art classes with you, yeah. like way back in the day. Like, with, uh, what was that art teacher's name? Mister Davis or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, also, this re- this question is unrelated to our story and where we're going. But you ever think about going to school still? To be an artist? Uh, yeah, I mean, I sometimes I think about it. It's, I don't know. I just, uh, I've seen a lot of, like, you know, artists back home on the res, you know, now, like, making clothing lines, like, making comics, making all kinds of stuff, like, digitally, uh, just, you know, it's awesome to see. So to see, to know that you're creative, because I know you do, you did tattoos and stuff. I mean, yeah. I think that that'd be, I think that'd be cool if you were. Yeah, well, actually, man, like I guess on the art subject, like I've been like I, I've been kind of leaning more towards like I guess our traditional arts, man. Like you know, I've been learning how to do ball sticks and. I want to start doing more baskets and stuff like that, but uh, I guess like making the ball sticks is kind of, I guess, kind of big for me at the moment, and that's something that I'm, I guess, kind of pursuing more to learn right there. Yeah. Hey, that's what's up, bro. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day, like I haven't played stickball in a long time because, you know, obviously you got to be sober and stuff, and uh I was thinking about going to play next year, but I was like, man, I need some sticks so I can practice. So maybe one time you get some, if you get the chance, I can order some sticks from you. But, uh, that's oh, awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so after this, you said after, after unity, you kind of just went there. Was you, did you go there to get out of trouble or you just wanted to like, was there people telling you that you needed to get your GED and stuff like that? And you wanted to like shut them up, so to speak. Uh, well, I pretty much just went to, like, keep myself out of trouble because like, I was, uh, what happened was, man, I got caught with, like, a shitload of weed at school. And that was, I guess, part of keeping me out of trouble was going to rehab. But, I mean, once I was in rehab, man, like, I kind of, my mindset was kind of, like, I mean, I'm here, I'm here for a minimum of 90 days, so why not make the best of it? No waste, no time, you know what I mean? That's a good, though. I mean, everything happens for a reason, man. You went there, you got your GED, so something good did come out of it. Um, yeah. You said, but when you got done with there, you went you went straight back to partying, and not only that, but you said partying harder than before. Yeah. 
Yeah, man, it started, like I said, venturing off from just smoking and drinking to a little more hardcore stuff and I guess just going deeper into addiction. Um, I know for a lot of us back home that struggled with addiction, like this time period that you're getting ready to enter into is like like a, a almost a breaking point, I guess you would say, because, you know, we get our big money. Uh, how long after you got your GED did you have to wait to get yours? And did that, uh, did that uh, contribute to your addiction? Uh, oh, yeah, let's see. I got my GED right, right around the time I turned 16. So all I had to wait for was as soon as I hit 18, I got my big money. But, I don't know, man, I had, I had all these plans, you know, like do this, do that. But at the same time, when I got my big money, it was, by that time, I was deeper in addiction and <clears throat> picked up a bunch of different addictions, you know, to go with so, all the ones that I already had, so it just kind of, yeah, I guess like you said, just <coughs> um, to keep feeding my addictions. Yeah, now, you don't realize it at the time, but, you know, that it, it makes your addiction, like, almost unsustainable because It's it's rare that you'll have the money at your disposal like that to just buy and waste, you know what I mean, without having to, because it's easy to spend money that you don't really have to work for, you know. Oh, yeah. I know, you know, I know you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. It's easy. Like, it's easy when you're selling drugs to spend a $1,000 on scratch-offs. Like, you don't, like, you don't think about anything oh, like that man. because you're not doing anything to get the money, you know. So, that's a... Uh, I'm kind of glad they did that thing, what they do now for the younger generations where they make them get staggered payments. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I know... Some of them might be like, man, y'all got to get your whole thing. But, like, each one of them is almost set up now to, like, where they get to have fun, not once but twice, have a little bit of fun. And then whenever they're old enough to appreciate the gift that they're being given, you know, when they're 25, that's their house if they don't already have one, you know. Yeah. Heck, yeah, man. That's what I was about to say. I know a few people that did that to where, like I said, they'll run through that first little bit they get and then, you know, if they're lucky, you know, they'll realize, like, damn, you know, it's free money, but it goes quick. Yeah, I don't think nothing goes as fast as that quick money, that easy money, you know what I mean? But Oh, yeah. Did you, uh, so you got your big money, uh, we're, we're partying harder, um, how long did this go on? Did it? Did you maintain, I guess? I say maintain with air quotes because, you know, for a while there, for me, when I was that age and I had my money and my addiction was raging, like, I had enough money to where, like, I wasn't having to, like, ask nobody for shit. Like, so I didn't have to say, hey, let me borrow some money or, hey, let me, you know what I mean? Because I could afford my own 
I could afford my habits. But whenever I started to not be able to, you know, that's when people could, I felt like people could kind of see, you know, that I was struggling because I was having to ask for stuff or I was like selling my shit, you know what I mean? So was it like that for you too or how, how'd that go? Uh, yeah, man, in a way, cause like, uh, well, before, right before I got my big money, I was kind of a, yeah, I guess what you'd call a functioning addict and alcoholic cause I had a job, man. I was working, making decent money, but said just about all the money I was making was going back toward my addictions. And then <clears throat> when I got my big money, like I had the money to, I guess, do as much as I want whenever I wanted. And I was buying large amounts of drugs and like I said, it kind of, I kind of got myself used to doing like large amounts, you know, like as soon as I woke up, fucking to get my day started, to go to bed, fucking to go out, whatever it was, man. Like I kind of used all that to, like I said, get my body to a point to where it was used to taking large amounts at one time. And then like you said, that money don't last. And so whenever it started running out, like I had all that money. So at the time I was like, oh man, this is going to last forever. Kind of let my job go. Fucking let everything else go thinking I was going to live on this money forever. And then when it runs out, like, yeah, man, it just slowly started to you know, sell everything, freaking start doing crazy shit for money, freaking getting in trouble, just like doing dumb shit, man. Just really freaking chasing that high. It's crazy that as much as we chased it, man, we never really caught it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. uh, it's kind of like, you remember that greasy pig? You know, they say such a thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you think you got that thing, but if you just got your fingertips on it, man, you ain't catching it. You are not, and yeah. you are no. not catching it. Like, and you think, you think because you're touching it, you got it, bro. That's how it is with that high, man. You think, oh, I got it, I got it. I can feel high a little bit, and then boom, it slips away, and you're chasing it again. Yeah, man, that's it for real. Um. So. You mentioned crazy shit to get money. Uh, I'm only gonna ask you because I know I, I've I've been out there with you. You know what I mean? I've, I've yeah. seen like how long did it take you to transition like from to to knowing that you could like sell drugs to not only fuel your habit but you know you can have a little bit of fun too. You know what I mean? Like in, yeah. at, at least in that in when we're in that world, we're thinking we're having fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man, I know what you mean, but it's, it, uh, shoot, it didn't take long, man. Like I said, I, when I had my money, like, that's kind of what I was doing a little bit, but <clears throat> at the same time, like I said, I was, 
I was doing it freaking more than I was, I guess, trying to make money off of. And I don't know, man. Thank you, freaking big time, fucking El Chapo, all this shit, fucking throwing shit everywhere, and like. I don't know. Yeah, got a million friends too. Where you oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh. I feel that man. So, so now we're out there. What um? When did you realize or think to yourself that, man, I might have a problem? Or did that moment ever come for you? Or did you have to just go straight to, like, some rock bottom moments? Or how did that work? Yeah, like I said, all that kind of come crashing down on me kind of all at once, man. Like like I said, I found out I was losing my house. Freaking then sold all my cars. Sold everything, man, and like, <clears throat> luckily, what well, one thing luckily for me was that I was able to, I had somebody that was willing to take my kids, you know. So I guess I wasn't getting all the way lose them, but like it's, it was pretty much rock bottom for me, like really quick, really fast, man, because, like I said, it's like everything I thought I had was, it was jerked out from under me real quick. And, and like you said, all them friends I thought I had, man, there was, it went from having everybody around to pretty much just me, man, and kind of didn't know which way to turn, where to go, what to do, and like I said, from there, it was just kind of deeper in at that point. Yeah, them, uh, them moments, you, you know, you were just talking about, it made me think that you go like, Everybody being around you to where did everybody go? You know what I mean? You're in here. And at that point, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, you know, when I get to that point where I feel like I'm all by myself, like I, at that point in time, I really ain't got shit to live for. I didn't feel like so, man, like I would go like 10 times harder than I was going like before as far as like, not only the amount of drugs I was selling, but the amount of drugs I was doing, the the nonsense I was getting into, you know, like it became something like, and I used to have all this stuff, like, man, I have all kinds of shit. I know you've seen some of it, you know what I mean? I'm like, hey, yeah, check this shit out, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is that? Bro? I don't know, man. Like, people are <laughs> like, why are you buying that shit? And I'm like, I don't. I mean, technically I do. Technically I do trade drugs for the items, but I don't go out looking for that specific item. You know, it just comes to me. Yeah, man. And it's the, it's like the craziest shit too. Like shit you've <laughs> never seen or never heard of. 
<laughs> I wouldn't even know where to go buy some of this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So when I say 10 times harder, bro, because a lot of times, like, people will bring guns. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I, I was a dangerous. I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I was the most dangerous version of myself at those moments because I was capable of anything because I just say, fuck it, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, are we going to go riding high speed chasing this car? Fuck it, let's go. You know what I mean? We're going to go to Atlanta to a neighborhood we don't know with all this money and trust that everything's going to go good. Fuck it, let's go. You know, so I, I empathize with you there in that moment. Uh, where did you, where did you go from there? Did you did you kind of wild out like I did, or did you do something different? Or um, uh, no, nah, man, it was pretty much the same, man. Like just fucking pedal to the metal, fucking wilding out. I got nothing. Like you said, it was just everything was just like whatever at that point. Like whatever it is, fucking, I'm with it, man. Like. Let's just get high and fucking I'm good to go, you know. It was freaking a lot of madness, man. Yeah. Uh, I'd only take time out. That's what I called them, you know, about when I'd get locked up or whatever. I'd get locked up or I'd have to go to rehab. Or when I say I'd have to go to rehab, I'd get locked up and they would allow me to do some of my time at the rehab, you know, and that's what I would do. I mean... But I'd take little timeouts from little pauses from or tolerance breaks is what I would call them. But how long did this last? This uh, I call it kind of wandering, you know, because I was very rarely in the same spot. I would be here and there. You might pull up to a house you'd have you'd never expect me to be at, and I'd be sitting on the couch, you know, and um, that's why I was just doing wandering. Was this a rock bottom moment for you, or did you? Did you go, did you wander too? Uh, yeah, I think at that point, man, from then on out, like it was, as, as I guess that, that would be the best way to describe it, man. It's just, I was wandering, man. Like you said, I was here, I was there, fucking back and forth, just all over the place, man. Just had no idea what I was doing, what I wanted, where I was going, just... Uh, like you said, man, just wandering. Did you ever, uh, did you ever overdose? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I was lucky enough that it was only twice. And this last time's the one that, like, really opened my eyes because I, I was left on the side of the interstate like almost in Asheville and luckily for me I had one person there that was I guess willing to try to save my life well I guess they did save my life because the other people I was with just you know fucking what's his drugs what's his money fuck him like we're gone and if it wasn't for that one person, I'd probably I'd have probably died right there inside the interstate, man. Man, I'm glad you're still here, bro. You want to shout that person out? Uh, 
You know, I yeah, man. yeah, man. I've not <laughs> seen him in a while, but he's actually somebody I grew up with, man. Fucking, he's all, he's one of the ones that's always been around. Fucking Chris Mayhan, dude. Oh, okay. Chris, you did a good deed, brother. Um, I always tell people when they survive something like that trick that you're here for a reason, man. Maybe you, maybe you're gonna be the revolution of the new ball stick era. You know what I mean? I don't know. You so. you're here for a reason, bro. Um, did he stay with you? Yeah, on the side of the interstate. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. Dang, did y'all did y'all call somebody or did y'all have to walk or what happened? Uh, yeah, he called. He called the ambulance, and from there, like, yeah, we we had to walk a little ways, but luckily my mom come picked us up, and but yeah, man, he was right there through it all, and like I said, stayed right there to save my life, man. So I'll always be grateful for that. Was that your uh, was that the moment that changed it for you? That was the. Uh... I don't know, was there a singular moment? For me, I mean, I had a lot of moments like where from the outside looking in, you would be like, man, that, that's the moment right there that he decided to turn it around. But <laughs> for me, you know, I, I can't make the, I can't make a mistake once. You know, I got to make it five, six times just to be sure it's the mistake, you know. So I don't yeah. know if it's like that for you. Was was it that moment that decided? Was that the moment that uh, propelled you to where you're at now? Uh, not really, man. That was just that was one of the moments that kind of, I guess, sent me leaning that way because there was times where I was in jail or you know just wandering, lost, man, and like. I've always kind of had that thought for a while running through my head, like, this ain't really what I want to do, man. Like, I want to, I want to change. I want to be better. Just, I guess for a long time, they was just, I guess, thoughts with no action behind them. Yeah. But I, it, it, I heard it. Oh, go ahead, bro. Oh. I was gonna say it's it's crazy for me though because actually the fight the one of the well the moment when I really opened my eyes was in the middle of a car chase man like there was five cops behind us like and that's when that's when it really hit me like I said you know fuck it man I'm done with this like. I'm putting it all out there, like I'm laying it all down, like I'm, that's when I really decided that I want to change. Is that the uh, car chase you went on at Mount Noble with Huck? Yeah, that was it, man. I was I was locked up whenever you came in for that, remember Oh, that? yeah, 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 you was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I knew exactly what you was talking about, bro. Um, I remember you telling me about that because you was like, I can't fucking drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, 
Was it scary? Um, um, not it really. Just, like, really. Yeah, at the time, man, like, until, like, my eyes was open, like, it was... My first, my thoughts initially when it started was, like, damn, I, I know I'm going to jail, so, like, I was like, you know, I'm a... All these drugs I got, I'm going to do, and, like, there I was, fucking bouncing around in the back of this fucking car, like, all over the place, fucking trying to smoke all my freaking drugs as I can, and, like, it just kind of hit me, man, like, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And it, I don't know, I took everything I had and bought it up, threw it out the window, and... Like I said, sit there in the back, just waiting for it to be over so I can go to jail. Oh man, those those moments, bro. Like I tell people, those few moments I've experienced in my life, other than whenever I know I'm fucking up and I know they got me. Like I know without the shadow of a doubt that a I'm going to jail. B I'm not getting out, and C. I ain't going to be getting out for a while. You know, like, those moments, bro, like, oh, man, like, I feel for you. Like, I'm I'm with you there in the back of the car right now, Trick. Like, fuck my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, so, I remember you, when we were locked up, you were saying, you were, you were saying that you, uh, was done with that shit. I, I remember, I only remember because, you know, whenever you do get locked up and you get out before somebody else is in there, they, they want you to do all this shit. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. hey, I'm going to call you, do this, do that. You know, I might have been one of them, probably was, you know, but I remember calling and, like, they were like, he's not answering, he's not answering. And I was like, but then, you know, I had always talked to, like, Caleb and stuff like that and Caitlin and you know I always had ties to the recovery world so when you were saying that you knew better you just didn't do it you know it's just thoughts with no action behind them you know yeah. I know exactly what you mean because through through all not all of it but through a lot of my nonsense like Caleb and Caitlin have been right there like telling me hey man you can do better you can do better but they told me I think one of them told me that you were uh, going to classes and stuff, and that's what, uh, that's why I remember you saying it because I was like, hey man, y'all leave him alone if he's trying to do better, you know what I mean? Because, hey, we need more of that. We need more people. Even if, even if I'm not going to do better, I still got to support your journey, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't do that. So, man, I'm proud of you for making the changes. Was that, uh, did that event, um, prepare you to where you're at now? As far as being the 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 motivating factor, uh, yeah, man, that was a big part of it. And actually, when I'm thinking about it, man, like, actually, just like maybe might have been the night before, two nights before. Like, I gotta give a shout out to freaking M, man. Like, you know, I was always friends with Emily, and like. She called me, like, I guess she had just, she had been sober, and, you know, she called me, and out of nowhere, and, like, was telling me that, 
you know, telling me like, damn, you know, we've always been cool, like we've been always been friends, like, damn trick, you're a really good person, like you need to try this, you know, you need to do this, like there's so much more out there than the bullshit we was doing and like I said, I guess it was kind of one of the first times that somebody had reached out to me in that way, that in that like, and I I still tell her from time to time to this day, like, you know, we don't talk as much as we used to, but from time to time, like, I'll make an effort to let her know that whether it seems little or not, like that was that was huge for me, like, to have somebody reach out like that. And yeah. Just... Did it, uh, did the message coming from her, knowing where she'd been and the stuff she's been through herself, did that make her message, like, resonate with you more than if it was anybody else? Uh, yeah, man, like I said, like, you know, her and my sister was always good friends. So, like, I mean, her was real good friends. We was kind of, we was around each other a lot, man. We'd been through a lot of shit together in addiction. And I guess just the fact of knowing that, like, I guess where I was at then, you know, like, I felt like nobody cared and just, like I said, to have somebody reach out like that, man, just... It means a lot, man, and that's kind of that's kind of a big motivator for me now. Like when I talk to somebody that's still in active addiction, like I try to let every all of them know, like you know, damn, you know, I care about you. Like I want to see you change, and you know, I'll help you change. Just I guess sometimes just for somebody to hear that is. You know, that could be the difference. Hey, I'm, I'm with you, man. I salute that, man. That's what's up. Um, I don't think... The only reason I asked you that, nothing against him or anything, I, I, I wanted you to say what you said. I wanted you to say that now you reach back for people too. You know what I mean? Because I think the only thing more beautiful than like seeing somebody like you, I'm going to say... For a while, you was in the dark right there. You was in the dark walking, and then your flame, your inner flame got reignited. You know what I mean? So as you walk in your recovery journey, like, your your flame gets bigger and bigger. So there's nothing. The only thing more beautiful than seeing somebody's inner flame get reignited is whenever they use the brightness from that to go back in the dark and help other people reignite their flame. You know what I mean? So that that's awesome, bro. Uh that's like the whole purpose I wanted to do this podcast for us for what you're just talking about. Um, it also makes me think of that song, Call Your Friends by Rob Wave. Have you heard that song? You yeah. listen to Rob Wave? Yeah, um, man, yeah. That's it, though, bro. Uh, shout out to M. That's what's up, M. Um, sometimes you don't even know because, like you said, like, to her, it might not have been that big of a thing, you know, but to you, it meant the world. So sometimes you don't know those little, those little seeds that you plant, you know, you don't know like 
how they're going to grow, you know, just, just saying, say, hey, I care about you. Hey, you're not alone. Hey, I didn't forget about you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, man. That that can that can be the change we want to see right there. Uh, that's what's up, man. Um, so earlier you were saying, go ahead, go ahead, bro. Um, that's crazy. You put it like that, man, because that's something like I guess that's been my big motivator was you know, kind of from day one, man. Like I want it to succeed. So and the way I put it is like. You know, I fought my way out of the fire, so it's only right to fucking stick my hand back in to pull others out, and that's, I guess, kind of what led to the work I do and the job I have now. What are you, um, what are you doing now? Uh, well, I work at the men's home. The it's like a transition home for the hospital. Yeah. So, for me, man, it's uh, it gives me peace knowing that I'm doing my part in, you know, hopefully changing people's lives, man. Yeah. Hey, that's it, man. That that makes me, it makes me happy to hear that for you. So I can't imagine the sense of pride you feel for yourself. Um, I didn't mean to. I kind of skipped over a question, but I don't know. Um, did you go to rehab? Uh, you said you went to rehab one time, so I guess you didn't go back to rehab. Was there anything that helped you, like, um, stay on your recovery journey after you made that decision, whether it be Alanuski, uh NA meetings, AA meetings? Uh, yeah. yeah, man. Go ahead. Onalishki, man, starting out Onalishki and my sister Callie, man, like, they were huge, like... Yeah, they was huge in helping me, I guess, get going on the right track, man, because it was, I ain't gonna lie, man, it was rough, like, it was, it was scary, man, at first, because, well, I guess the unknown's always scary, but to be able to, I guess, try to make that effort to be better, yeah man it, it was scary but yeah like I said luckily my sister Callie was there Anna Lischke was there and yeah at the time fitness man I found fitness then so that was that was pretty big for me at that time have you uh I, when you said it was difficult, I could, man, my mind still races a lot whenever I hear things like even like I didn't thought of like, not for you, but for me, when you said it was hard, I was automatically, my mind went to process. And if I was in your position in Cherokee, what would make it hard for me? And man, I don't, it'd be too hard. Like I couldn't do it. I kept, I, I couldn't do it there, bro. I, I kept, I've done it before. And then I slip back into old habits because, you know, like you say, unfamiliarity, change is different. Change is scary. Not knowing, um, kind of not having the control of over anything. I mean, we never do, but, you know, you kind of feel like you do when you're in a familiar setting. 
Um, yeah. So, man, I, I commend you for being able to do that. That's 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 a huge step to be able to do that there. And then I think for what you're doing now, the job you have, I think it's important that you did, people did see you, the whole process of you healing there, you know what I mean? Because you can have a bigger impact in your job. Um, how do you like that job now? It's kind of like a full circle moment, I feel like, from from being not that you live there, but from being somebody who would possibly have good use out of the transitional home to being the one that works there and facilitates the change within it, man. That's how is that? Uh, it's awesome, man. Like, like you said, it's, it's, that's what it is, man. It's a full circle moment for me because I know a lot of the people I deal with, like, you know, I was in active addiction with them. Freaking, you know, wild out was all with most of them, and or knew them somehow, or crossed paths with them somehow. And for me, that's what I always say. That's a big thing, man. Is I guess to been through it with somebody, you're it kind of translate, and you're able to, I guess, connect better with them. Because, I yeah. guess, you know, because you've been through it with them, so I guess you in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that, bro. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question, too, because you seem like you're in a job that you love right now. Uh, I might even go as far as to say a job that was made. Either the job was made for you or you were made for the job with the experience that you have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But you didn't have that job, like when you first started in re- in recovery, did you? Didn't you just recently get that job? Uh, yeah, I got it right after it opened. I've only had it. Well, it's only been open like four months now. Oh, okay. I only asked you that because for me, the the stuff I'm doing now feels more fulfilling. But when I first started on recovery, I I kind of had to just like swallow my pride and work at a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I know a lot of people get discouraged whenever they're sober because they feel like they should be doing more. You know, they feel like they should be making an impact or like they should be doing the job you're doing or the stuff that I'm doing now. But, but I wanted to just let them know that there was a process that we had to take first to get here. You know what I mean? And not to give up when things don't happen immediately. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, man, that that's big, man, because actually, like, when I first started to get in recovery, like, man, it was a lot of trial and error, like, there was a time in my early, early recovery that I about drove myself crazy because what I thought was best at the time, man, is, like, I self-isolated and, like, no phone, no... Like, I had hardly any connection to nobody, and just that alone, like, it, it, I guess it took a toll, like, on me mentally more than anything, but, uh, like I said, lucky, luckily, Anilishki was there, and I was able to, had the right people around me to come out of that, but, yeah, man, it's all a process, because, I did the same thing, man, before I got this job. Like, I was cooking in a restaurant and, you know, just 
odd jobs, but yeah, man, it's all about patience, man. Like, I guess everything happens in time. Yeah, I guess the biggest thing, man, is not to get discouraged on it. Yeah, I just wanted to, I know a lot of people, like, when they hear your story, they didn't see, when I seen you, you know what I mean? When I, when I seen you working at the restaurant, and I mean, nothing wrong with working with a restaurant. It's actually hard as fuck work if you've never done it, especially, you couldn't imagine cooking when you were kicking, bro. You said, yeah. I'm surprised you had time to come out and say what's up, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted to say that, man, sometimes you got to, you got to do what you got to do. So then, you know, it's part of the process of, you know, it, it's it's not punishment. You know, it's just preparation for your next for your next job. Sometimes I feel like we we get tested to see if we how bad we really want to do something by what we're willing to do to get there. You know, in a sense of, you know, working at a restaurant, cutting grass, you know, trimming trees, whatever it is that you may do, you know, just. Yeah, man. Don't don't think that nothing's ever beneath you or that you're too good for something or that something ain't going to make a difference, you know, because, hey, say you just cut one grass, you cut a yard per day, you know, that's still doing something that you weren't doing before. So I just wanted to, like, say don't give up. Don't, you know, don't try to rush your process. When you try to force things, it, it, things don't happen like they should because you're rushing timing. Um but that's what's up, Trick. I'm proud of you, bro. That's awesome, man. Uh, do you, uh, what does your job with the men's home look like? Do you just, do you get to do activities with them? You, are you like a peer support specialist thing or uh, capacity or you're just there with them in their recovery, walking alongside them? Uh, at the moment, I'm kind of, just there walking alongside of them, but I'm in the process of getting, I'm actually in the process now of getting my recovery coach and my peer support and doing all that. So I guess I could, I guess trying to put myself in a better position to help as much as I can. Yeah. Can never stop learning, bro. That's awesome, man. Um, if, uh, if you could go back in time and give give a young trick in the midst of his active, active addiction some advice, what would you say to him? Or do you think he would listen to you? Uh, I honestly don't even know if he'd even listen to me, but I guess my biggest thing would try to be to tell him that You know, there is better out there that is, I guess, you know, the life you think normal is, is really not, man. And there's just so much more out there. And for me, like, it's crazy, man, because I find, I find so much joy and comfort out of, like I said, just knowing that I'm, I guess playing my part in, you know, changing people's lives, hopefully, and, you know, making this res a better place, man. Hey, that's it, man. That's the goal. That's, uh, I love that trick. Um, 
if there was someone listening right now that's struggling in active addiction, uh, would you have the same message for them as you have for your younger self, or would you have would you say something different? Uh, probably the same thing, man. Just I guess the only difference between my younger self and people now is that you know there's a lot of help out there now, man. Just I would tell people, you know, don't don't be scared to reach out, whether it's to me, Anneliski, any of these other people that's been through it and working to help other people, man, because there's there's a lot of help out there now that there wasn't before, and there's a lot of people willing to help, and a lot of people a lot of people want to see people do better now. Yeah, I, I second that, man. Uh, I kind of see some of the stuff on the res from afar because I live in Florida now, but, bro, the vending machines are like the coolest shit i ever seen, bro. Yeah, man, it's freaking awesome. That that right there, man, like, man, um, that's awesome. Uh, I hope to see, I'm actually uh, hoping to see some of these open in other places, you know. Um one more question, trick on the advice uh, issue. We got a, we got some listeners out there who who listen not because they struggle with addiction, but because someone that they love, someone that's near and dear to them, you know, they struggle. So these people try to listen and learn everything about addiction, you know, to help their loved one, you know, which which alludes to a level of love that person has, you know, like they're trying to learn about addiction to help you when they don't even struggle with it, you know, which is an act of love itself. But do you have any advice for somebody who has, maybe they got a daughter, maybe they got a son, maybe they got a brother or a sister or a dad or a mom, cousin, somebody that struggles with addiction. Uh, what advice do you have for that person? Uh, I would say don't stop trying, man. Like, you know, keep learning because it's crazy because I actually that that's something there's been a lot of people reach out to me, man. And I would tell them to reach out to somebody because there's a lot of people that will teach you what you don't know. And there's certain people now that still ask me a lot of stuff and there's been people that, like you said, that they're, they've never been in addiction, but they have a loved one that has. And, you know, I've had a couple come up to me that's like really grateful that I shared what information I know. And I guess it translated to them being able to save their kid's life or you know, help somebody they loved in some way. So I want to say that, you know, don't, if you, if you not have, if you have a loved one, you know, don't be scared to reach out because there is a lot of people that will help. And there's actually some groups too around here now that I guess do like, addiction awareness for people that's never been in addiction but have loved ones that are. Oh, that's awesome, man. There's, there's a lot of resources out there. Um, 
I second what you say. Reach out if you need help. Reach out if you think someone you know needs help because sometimes, a lot of times, I feel like a lot of us need help more necessarily so than want help, but we're scared to ask or don't know how to ask or we're afraid of what asking for help makes us look like to other people, you know, so I second that. Um, I also want to say, since you were talking about that earlier, it's it's on my mind, so I'm going to say, uh, if you're listening today, let's, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I feel like you or somebody you know, you know, struggles with addiction. And even if it's somebody that you don't really know that well, you just know that they struggle. You know, sometimes these people cross our minds. Sometimes you, you're driving down a road and you see one of them walking or riding their bike or something like that. Um, and a thought passes your mind, just, just check on that person, man. In this day and age, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them somewhere. You know, just tell them. Just reach out to them. If somebody crosses your mind... Or even if they don't, if you know somebody, reach out to that person today and say, hey, man, you, you are worthy. You are loved. Um, there's so much more to life than what you're living, and help is available because, you know, you never know what that little – I mean, actually, we do. We have a – we just had a testimony of somebody, tricks who who had somebody reach out to him like that, and, it, it you know, it, it sparked something within him. So I feel like we should – make a conscious effort to do that today. Um, is there anything you would like to say, Trick? Any any closing comments? It can be about anything to anybody, whatever, man. Uh, I, I just want to say that freaking, you know, to anybody out there listening, man, if you're still in that addiction or even if you're trying, man, you know, like you just said, man, I'm proud of you. That, you know, there is a better, there is better out there. Like, just, I don't know, man, just don't, you said, just know, man, there's, there's a lot of people out there that care. Don't give up, man. That's all, I, man. Even if if you if you got one day sober, if you got one hour sober, if you if you used a little bit less today, if you didn't use less but you used a clean needle when you had a friend there with Narcan, I mean, as long as we can reduce the harm and work our way towards recovery, I, I salute you. Um, Trick, thank you for coming on here, brother. I know sometimes you know. Not sometimes, all the time for me. Even after, like, I've shared my story and stuff, it still feels like you're standing naked in front of a crowd, you know, whenever you're telling some parts of your story. Um, I, I just want to say thank you, man. I know your story's going to help somebody. Um, and that's the goal. I want to help one person. I want one person to hear this and say, hey, man, if that person did it, I can too. Um, if that person did it, I can. If Jack did it, you know, if Trick did it, I can do it too. Maybe I can ask Trick for help, you know, and I, I appreciate that, man. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't, 
I don't like seeing – the only thing I like seeing more than somebody coming out of the dark is when they go back in the dark to help pull other people out or back in the fire, like you said, man. So I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate you having me, man. Got a lot of respect for you and what you're doing, man. It's freaking awesome. All right, bro. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you later. All right.